The Incomparable, number 408, May 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this is a flashcast recorded Im- almost immediately after the opening of the latest Star Wars movie, Solo, A Star Wars Story. And I have assembled a panel to give some quick first reactions. Presumably, we've all only seen the movie once. So, uh, you know, again, those of you who are listening after having studied it carefully, uh, maybe we missed something because we only saw it once and probably in a darkened theater where we couldn't really take a lot of notes. So, anyway, with that disclaimer out of the way, and also the fact that these are spoilers for a movie that is in current release as I uh, as I uh, release this episode, so uh, if you haven't seen it, you should probably go see it before you listen to this episode. Let me introduce my panel. John Syracuse is here. Hello. I saw this movie by myself. Mm. I, saw, I, too, saw this movie by myself. Tony Sindelar is also here. Hello. Uh, hello, nerds. Uh, I saw this movie with a bunch of people. Dan was there. <laughs> Dan Morin. Hello. Hi. I I have a really good feeling about this. Oh, man. (laughs) I knew I was going to snake somebody. This is not a draft. It's not a draft. (laughs) Kelly Gamont. It's always a draft. Hello. Hi. I've actually seen it twice. What? You're cheating. Wow. Erica Ensign. Hello. I also have a really good feeling about this. Gosh darn it. (laughs) Good. Well played. (laughs) And I suppose Philip Michaels can tell us where he saw this movie. Yes, well, Jason, I saw it several days ago, nearly a week ago, and I, I, I saw it with my good friends at Lucasfilm, and I, I took I took copious notes during it because I, I was watching a, a review screening, and all my notes, since they were written in the dark, read like hostage notes <laughs> that you are <laughs> scribbling out to your captor, or perhaps you are the hostage taker. At any rate, at any rate, when you find this notebook, you will say, "Oh my yes. God, it's a mirror into his madness." <laughs> to be fi- to be fair, Phil, that's your writing style. That is true. (laughs) I I did. um, I I saw Star Trek Into Darkness twice. And the second time I took notes because I was I knew we were going to do a podcast on it. And if you find that notebook, you will think that Benedict Cumberbatch kidnapped me. (laughs) It's just for sure. It's just again, there's a lot of scrawled Cumberbatch and question marks and exclamation points. And it's like there's a thing in here about Chris Pine. But I think it's mostly about Cumberbatch. Anyway, uh, that's a different franchise. We should talk about Star Wars instead. Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, this is the second in these non uh non saga related movies it's got a long history there's this this uh so so rogue one was an idea by uh, john Knoll at at uh ilm that ended up being a movie this apparently was for a long time uh Lawrence and Jake Kasdan were working on this at the behest of George Lucas, and it kind of came with them when Disney purchased Lucasfilm. It came along for the ride and obviously went through many different versions, a different set of directors um, before Ron Howard was brought in to finish it. So long story here and kind of one of these new kinds of Star Wars movies that we didn't used to get that are these anthologies that are that are kind of on the side. Um, And I have some uh, I have some theories about that that I, I want to get into before we kind of like dive into the the rest of the how do you how do you carve up this movie especially having most of us only seen it once one of the things i wanted to say and get your reactions to is just start with the fan service start with all the references because and i i think i saw this in a review and i i, I think it was very smart the review said 
if you have to ask yourself if something we know about Han Solo is answered, some question about his background is answered in this film, the answer is yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> it absolutely is. All of those questions are answered because also questions I did not have and do not care to have. <laughs> yeah, the plot, the plot, <laughs> and a lot I, of the references. I still don't in the know movie. where he got his Corellian blood stripes. That's that's just really irking me. It's um, there's a lot, there's a lot of fan service. There's a lot of references here. I have a theory, and and and. We'll go around because I think we've got various gradations of uh, deep into Star Wars fandom and other people <laughs> who are not. And yeah. my, my theory about this fan service walking out of it was I got the sense as somebody who grew up in the 70s and therefore, of course, Star Wars was a, a big part of my life from when I was like six years old because that's when Star Wars came out. But I was never somebody who was like a deep dive obsessive Star Wars fan, Dan and Tony. So I know that i missed a lot of references in this movie and walking out of it i thought to myself you know i wonder if this movie actually works better if you're not a diehard star wars fan if maybe it works better because my feeling is like if you're not sitting there going oh well of course it's the kessel run and of course it's the sabacc game and and all of that and you're only just kind of like a mild you know star wars knowledgeable person because you saw some movies once I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the, those references are that intrusive. They weren't to me. It didn't bother me too much. But I'm, I'm curious. So, like Phil, you don't care about the silly sci-fi I, for the kids. I care not a whit. So, did you, did you care about? <laughs> did you notice and or care about the fan service, or did it just not bother you? So, um, it didn't bother me to a certain point. I, I, I think you can walk into this movie blind without having, um, you know, uh chronicled the wall chart of your life to uh the various star wars movies and you you can get I feel away attacked with phil no 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 okay uh, <laughs> how did you know about dan's wall chart <laughs> well i mean he posted on twitter obsessively true, so um no uh i i didn't have there, there are a couple of eye rolling lines at one point um towards the end of the movie spoiler alert um one of the marauders says well this is the sort of thing that could fund a rebellion. a rebellion. And oh, I hope the Lucasfilm people didn't see the dismissive wanking motion I was making at that point. But, because that was that was not a great moment. But, you know, the, the, I, it, it didn't bother me so much. Um, I, I feel that a little of that would have gone a longer way and hmm. that they, they, you could almost feel that there was someone with a clipboard going, let's, okay, we've got the mention job of the hut, check. We've got to mention this, check. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that will probably, rather than, uh, uh, being delightful to long-term fans of the series, probably annoy them more than anything. Whereas me, someone who didn't care, there was, yes, okay, they're doing that. And, um, okay, that's a little bit excessive. All right, knock it off, movie. Hmm. We get it. It's Han Solo. So I, it, it didn't bother me, uh, very much. I could see where it would bother other people. So okay, Star Wars fans, <laughs> how how'd the fan service, how the fan service uh, hit you, John? I'm kind of in the middle here because I'm not like I'm not the expanded universe. I don't didn't read all the novels, and uh, you know I I know most of the things that uh, Tony and Dan are talking about, but I didn't partake in them. So I only just have the movies. <laughs> All right, you didn't uh, yeah, like his background, You've right? done but, something with your life. We get it. So. Look at look at the big man with the hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> I pay taxes and have a fulfilling life. Blah, blah, blah. The references are mostly, as far as I can tell, maybe I missed a couple of obscure ones, are mostly to the movies or things you might know from, I guess, from buying the action figures and stuff every once in a while. And my complaint was not 
how many references there are because to some degree look it's the backstory of a character we know and we have a certain amount we know obviously some of the stuff we know about the character will be in the backstory it would be weird if you did a character's backstory and nothing from what we know about them was in the backstory it's like so they had a different life that didn't reference anything you're going to do later right so i understand that a little bit that there should be some connection but i didn't care about the amount i cared about the quality uh i, I expect a certain amount of subtlety and wit uh to in these references uh like for example uh, i've got a really good feeling about this that has just enough wit and was only done once and there was no switching to bad feeling mm-hmm. that i think that was a good one i give that one that a gold was, star that was a clever one yes good my, good job my right? favorite my favorite one was i hate you i know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like stuff like that. You just you, you're allowed to have a certain number of them, and like again, it wasn't there wasn't like there was too many, but some of them just sort of like were blah. They were flat. There was like okay, all right. I mean, like they didn't add any wit to it, and I really wanted mm. more wit in the references. That said, when they fell flat, like they they weren't bad or groan inducing. They didn't make me like the movie less. I just go. I just felt like ooh, opportunity missed. You could have done something clever there. But anyway, let's go. There, I will tell you, and, and perhaps they are missed by most people, there are an insane number of pretty deep references to things that are mentioned in video games, uh, minor characters from the animated series, uh, ship names, all, all kinds of stuff that I suspect just go over most people. And I, I don't know. I mean, they were mildly amusing. They felt perhaps a little unnecessary at times, but I, I generally enjoyed it. Uh, Dan and I laughed at some that literally no one else in the entire auditorium could. <laughs> if anybody else laughed at Terrascasi as a pun- as a joke punchline, I that don't think they were in the our most ridiculous. That is probably the most yeah. obscure, bizarre reference. They had a, a Bosque really, really... shout out though. There was yes. Bosque. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but even Bosque I got is actually Bosque. in a movie. <laughs> yeah, Masters yeah. of Terracasi is like a 1998 PlayStation game, terrible that fighting game. It was it's not really very good. bad. Yeah. Uh, but there's lots of other ones. The ship that uh, Han claims to have in the uh, gambling match with mm-hmm. uh, with with Lando that he doesn't actually have. Dan, that's the same ship. The ship number as the Ghost. Uh, oh, I missed that. One. Uh, a Beckett uh, gets like a high five from Lando for having killed Ora Singh, who's like a yeah. character from. Oh, I missed. She's that. a bounty hunter from the Clone Wars. Uh, so there's there's she's a lot. The prequels I mean, too. Yeah, yeah. It, so uh, the knowing where the connecting the dots on uh, Darth Maul, who we see in this, which I think surprised and confused many people in yes. our audience. That's uh, there's I can point you to the I don't know dozen or so animated episodes that fill in that gap if Plus you care, but books. you may or may not. There's also comic books uh even the place that beckett is gonna retire to i guess is a is a planet mentioned in the uh star wars galaxy mmo so like it's i don't know why there need to be this many like it it feels like it's a little it goes beyond like winking to like we -hmm. haven't made a line of dialogue without referencing something and so therefore we must uh like this is procedurally generated references (laughs) see when darth maul popped up in in my screening the audience gasped with joy and i and i was sitting there not knowing the whole clone wars backstory sat there going yeah. how how old is han solo because because <laughs> yep. that Did hasn't been in since the episode one and now we're, we're we're here we are yep well i guess i fall i fall probably closer to john's end of the spectrum on this i didn't find it too overly cumbersome um i do think there are times where there are 
things that yeah I, I do think a lot of these things go over people's heads like there's a reference to the lando calrissian novels yes. which are also pretty <laughs> terrible but i enjoyed it because if they're dumb books that almost nobody Wait, what sure was that reference when he's doing he's like narrating it right he's narrating his memoirs yeah he's talking about his memoirs his own novel <laughs> right exactly yeah. <laughs> there are people suggesting that they're basically him reading you know writing his own books um uh, okay but, but i like, heard that it, and i couldn't i couldn't line it up with anything and that's okay that's why i know let's, let's put it this okay. way those are books written by dudes who did a lot of acid <laughs> um <laughs> yes they're really weird um yeah. so you know i i don't again i, I feel like they probably jason to your point i think they probably go over the head of most people totally. and maybe the hope is that people will like Oh, I'm interested in that thing. Maybe there's something I could read about that. Like maybe people will get piqued their interest. I don't know. Just maybe go to not. W- but Wikipedia. Like, it's all on Wikipedia. Just yeah. look it up. Um, I found that overall, most of the things, like John too. I think it would have been weird to not have some of these things in this in this backstory. Like maybe it didn't need everything that was mm-hmm. put in there, but to not showcase at least some of the defining incidents of this character would seem to me to be a missed opportunity. And so it makes sense that we are focusing on things that were referenced in the movies. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it felt totally over jam packed or anything like that with me. And I clearly missed a few along the way, which, um, you know, if I had seen this more than once, maybe I would have caught them, but I, I, I think fan service, there's a reason you have it in there. And as our friend Monty Ashley, I think, was saying to some people earlier, like, I've grown to appreciate some of fan service as I've gotten older because I am a fan. <laughs> Please <laughs> provide some service for me. Is it even really fan service, though, if it is actually just a reference? Because pretend they weren't references. And to me, to me, they weren't. Like, I didn't know that Terrace Cassie or whatever that I had no idea what that was. Right. If they weren't references, they would replace them with New some things. newly made up <laughs> yes. fighting style yeah. that we've never heard of. Fine. So. First of all, if you don't know the reference, there's no difference between those two. Exactly. I've never heard of that fighting style. And if you had made up a, se- a different word that no one had ever heard, fine. And second, it's not fan, fan service is showing the fans something they've always wanted to see. Unless it's some fan going around saying, boy, I really hope they reference that really bad video game that I played <laughs> oh, once in this I movie. I know there it's, are people out there that are do, they were yeah. wishing for that. Though. <laughs> it, it's the weakest It's the weakest kind of fan service. It's not like the, you know, making two people kiss that people yes. have always wanted no, to I kiss agree. or something, right? It is, references are the lowest form of fan service, John. <laughs> but, but they're all fan service because they're including references to the EU that have been thrown out. Yeah, That's can, what makes yeah, them are, are, really but, glaring maybe fan service. Maybe the EU fans. But, but anyway, like the, the point is, it's not... They weren't pivotal over the plot. You didn't need to know them. And if they weren't there, they would have been replaced by equivalent things, right? Sure. So really, what difference does it make? It, it's not the only one you could really, I, I think, is maybe going too far is Jabba, because yeah. that happens later, right? And this much, is supposed much to be before. And I don't think you need to go, okay, so I guess he leaves this movie and immediately, uh, you know, gets a, a cargo from Jabba and then and throws it overboard when the Empire goes near. Like, that seemed a little bit too tight. But everything else... Even their headcanon to me said he had a long, he had a long working relationship with Jabba before the thing that went bad yeah, yeah but i didn't be. need to know that that working relationship started right now like that's the thing to me is i sort of didn't um I, I i didn't need for that to happen right away i guess um that was the part that was sort of confusing to me and like as far as the fan service stuff goes like um I picked some of those up, like I picked up Aura Singh and, and, you know, Bosk, obviously. And, and I really enjoyed that the one Sabat game that we did get to see, like, in depth was not the Sabat game, mm-hmm. you know, that we've been waiting for all this time. I sort of loved that at the end it was like, Oh, no, 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 no. You know, that's not, that's not this one. And so I did enjoy that. Um, 
for me, like some of the stuff was really small, like the dice kind of make me sad a little bit now Mm. um (laughs) because i'm a very sentimental person like you know don't tell anybody don't put this out like you know as part of the show or anything Mm. but no no one's um, listening i'm I'm like i'm I'm sort of sentimental and so like every time they would go to the dice i was a little bit like oh because you know we did get like officially we did get a little more significance to them which was a little bit I guess a little bit fan servicey because you know there was always the story about the dice hanging from the hanging in the cockpit, and so it was. But it was really it was nice to see them, and but you know it, it was a little bit like aw. Um, I had a hard time with the with the uh, founding the rebellion, and only because like then it turns out that Han's like a good guy the whole time. Because he did like this good thing and then she tells him he's a good guy. And so now he's a good guy the whole time, even though we fixed the part where like his accidental character arc didn't turn out to be anything, you know, by reversing the order of the who shooting who with with Greedo. So that was the only part I didn't really like was that like suddenly like he's the person who like founded the rebellion, which makes him a good guy the whole time. So when we meet him as a smuggler later, like that's not his real character his real character is that he's a good guy so it's not quite as dramatic when he comes back and saves the day at the end of episode four i think the issue with that for me is that there's like he's always supposed to be a callous has a callous exterior but a heart of gold like Mm -hmm. that is fundamentally his character and to me that seemed consistent like even though he is willing to gun someone down in cold blood as he does again in this movie you know he's still at his heart he is not a guy who is willy-nilly murdering people. He is a guy who's a survivor, and he has a callous exterior, but in underneath that, he does have a moral compass. And I think that, yes. to me, it's consistent. I get your that, point. That may like, be why me, he's not a great criminal, right? Like, yes. one of the reasons yeah. he's a failed <laughs> criminal is because he has a conscience. That's my theory. That's my headcanon, John. <laughs> Let's take a brief break. I need to tell you about one of our sponsors on this episode of The Uncomparable. It's Queel. Stands for Quick Meals. You know, life can get hectic, work, gym, cooking, parental duties. There's a whole lot to do. Sometimes you find yourself running out the door and you just don't have time to find and eat a nutritious meal with the complete meals from Quail. You always have a tasty, nutritious meal ready to go. They've made a complete meal that fits perfectly in your morning or lunchtime routines. It's a shake you make with water, and within seconds you have a complete meal. Plus, it provides you with essential carbs, fats, proteins, vitamins, and minerals. I have been trying it the last month or two uh, as a work-from-home person. Sometimes we don't have any lunch in the house. We don't have any leftovers. We don't have any lunch meat. And I am in the middle of working on something. I just want to get back to it but i'm hungry i have tried these uh then and they work great they keep me energized for the rest of the afternoon i've also had it happen in the morning where i'm like i'm going somewhere or i just don't want to make my usual breakfast and i'll have one then and then it gets me through till lunchtime so really nice to have these as options when i just don't want to make breakfast or lunch for myself now you get a shaker and a scoop they come ready to drink you can choose how large or small you want to make the meals you never have to go without a quality meal again just because you are too busy or don't have the stuff around you can make a meal in seconds it's simple quick and convenient go to quill.com slash incomparable and use the offer code incomparable you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's com slash incomparable and use offer code incomparable for 15 percent off thank you to quill for your support of the incomparable 
we're we're moving on for references here, but like that's that's a one way this movie could have gone and didn't. Uh, the the movie that they didn't make was a movie where. Han Solo starts off kind of as he did in this movie and has a series of adventures. And through that series of adventures, um, he maybe he falls in love. Maybe his his childhood friend, something tragic happens or whatever. But basically, his innocence is lost and things go very badly for him. And he's betrayed and he learns not to trust anybody. And maybe the love of his life dies or betrays him. And he becomes angry and cynical and bitter or at least starts down that path the loss of innocence right mm-hmm. and then we find him you know in, in uh and most eisley and he he turns around so that that would be a completion of an arc you start off as an innocent child right. you have your innocence destroyed and then in a new hope you you learn to learn to care about other people and stuff again this would be the movie where he learns the danger of caring about other people but they didn't do that arc in this movie like dan said they basically said that from the beginning, he has a certain innocence, and he has a callous exterior. But like his exterior is not that callous in this movie. He's still kind of wide-eyed right. yeah, and still yeah. tries to do the yeah, right thing. And- I needed him to be a little. I I needed him to end up a little more Beckety at the end. You know. Yeah. His. I I kept waiting for the scene where like his overconfidence was going to come crashing down, and it, it's nope. He keeps winning. Basically, sometimes it takes a little longer. The best they did was they had. Uh, I keep calling her Daenerys. Sorry, Kira. Kira, uh, Kira, Kira flies away. She does leave, right? right? She doesn't come right, with so him. That, she so you leave. can see yes. that could be breaking his heart, but it do- he doesn't seem like broken by the end of the movie yeah. he doesn't right. seem I, uh, like mm-hmm. i've learned this hard lesson a harsh lesson about life that i mean because she seems she's like you know uh, you know uh, i forget what he says like uh you tell him you know more about this and he says uh, she says something like i just know a little bit more than you do with a mm-hmm. sad look right that she that she's been through it and he's still a little innocent and he never quite loses all of his innocence the closest you get is him shooting uh beckett which i think mm-hmm. was was good and nice but the arc of this movie is not innocent han solo becomes a bitter uh, you know, hardened criminal or, or right. develops a callus. I felt kind of the same way as as, as Kelly at the end of it. Um, I, I didn't necessarily need him to be like I can headcanon in the idea that him being a smuggler for the next X number of years until we get to him in Mos Eisley that that that's sort of what makes him t- the you know sort of more extreme version of the callous exterior because yeah his he, he definitely his heart of gold is pretty close to the surface mm-hmm. at the end of this movie he didn't strike me as the same character as we see later but the character that we see later is like ten years later so I'm I'm okay with that i just wasn't expecting it yeah you work for job of the hut for minimum wage for a year it'll it'll do things to you, <laughs> Open your eyes. you. clean out those frog traps yeah. <laughs> your your unpaid your unpaid internship with the huts is very uh very burdensome yeah <laughs> they don't tell you to make to, to get somewhere in the underworld it's exposure that's what you need <laughs> so <laughs> try to think of what this movie's arc was though like if, it's, if the movie's arc is not you start off as an innocent innocent puppy and you become and like you see the harsh reality of the world and you be you know you turn inward and you learn not to care about other people and you your defenses come up right if that's not the arc of this movie then what is the arc of this movie because it seems like they had it's yeah. like the half-hearted version of rogue one where they didn't want him to get all bitter and angry they wanted him to triumph in the end but they wanted to have minor notes of oh i had to shoot beckett oh you know daenerys flew away and i'm sad about that uh but in the end he's got the ship and he's smiling and he's got a co-pilot and he's just a big puppy dog with a heart of gold uh and helps the rebellion and like i don't it, it, this is more of an adventure story of like the adventures of Han Solo mm-hmm. than it mm-hmm. is something trying Precise. to give a character arc. Right. So uh, no, I'm, I'm okay gonna I'm gonna disagree uh, a little bit here, calling on my vast expertise with Star Wars, but um, <laughs> perhaps <laughs> perhaps th- this is um, uh, to draw on a line from Casablanca, a movie uh, discussed in a 
different podcast. Um, yes, a, a, Han, fu- Han, a future a, podcast yeah, episode. Yeah, a future podcast <laughs> from the past. Time travel. <laughs> um, per, perhaps there. Uh, perhaps the 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 idea behind the solo character in this movie is he's a guy who's trying to convince himself of something he doesn't actually believe. So maybe he's trying to convince himself that he's this hardened smuggler and and spends basically the next ten to fifteen years doing that until uh, episode four comes along. Uh, it didn't strike me as I didn't sit there going. Now wait a minute. This is this is totally this ruins episode four for me. That wasn't my my opinion at all. I, I felt it kind of. Um, if anything, the uh, turn that Han does in episode four wouldn't have meant very much if you end this movie with him being hardened and embittered. And well, that's the last time I care about anything. So it it. it it worked for me. I wanted to mention, you mentioned Casablanca, Phil, and I thought about Casablanca partially because we just watched it uh, recently, but um, for a future episode. But um, I thought about that because the moments where he meets Kira, I felt like, wow, I really feel like I, it, this is a Casablanca vibe here where it's like they have a, hi- a history, but they've both been apart for a few years. And now it's really kind of weird and awkward. And, you know, what's the right thing for them to do? And I, I liked that aspect of it that it remind it reminded me of Casablanca which is a great movie but the idea that that she's out there already he's trying to save her and she's already she's already living her life man she's you know you don't have to go back for her I, I and I, I that that added some resonance to it and I I'm actually um, kind of more with Phil here and thinking like I, I feel like this is his coming of age as a as somebody out in the universe and a loss of some innocence from him without it actually being yeah it's not his transition from being a, a, a person with a heart of gold to somebody who's disillusioned yeah. it's more just like he's he's set up for his future adventures but he's also he's He's also learned some some rules about not trusting people and things like that. The arc that. is gutter gutter rat to smuggler. Like that's the arc. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Just juvenile but, delinquents. But he doesn't want to be a smuggler. He's not a gutter rat who says, "Boy, I, I I dream someday of becoming a smuggler." He doesn't. What does he want in this movie? What, he wants, wants to ship. fly away with Kira. That's what he wants to do. He wants to be with Kira and fly away and get the heck out of their bad life and have a good life and have a ship. I don't think he doesn't have aspirations to be a smuggler. So in the end, he doesn't get what he wants. He doesn't get Kira. He but, gets so two thirds movie, of it. Right. He's a pilot, he and he's got a ship. Right, but his dream yeah. was not at the beginning of this movie. Boy, I can't wait to be a smuggler. He was being a smuggler out of necessity because he can't. He doesn't listen to directions well, and very because well. he wants to save Kira, who doesn't need to yeah. be saved. Right, exactly. Right. So, so he he does the, the end or of this she? movie is not. But, yeah. It's it's a semi unhappy ending because he doesn't get what he wanted the whole movie, and in that way, you can say, oh, well, that that makes him learn that like life's hard, or you don't always get what you want, or whatever. But it's a minor one because he does come but, out of it but like some, sometimes John sometimes you get what you need and that you yeah. need a Wookiee you need yeah. a Wookiee but you do not need that that uh, escape pod there are things he gets at the I mean I, I do think he changed uh, to the point of what we were talking about before I do think he changes throughout this because the fact that he you know I do think shooting Beckett is an important point here right because yes. that mm-hmm. is a development in his character in terms of him being before he was willing to trust these people mm-hmm. you know with his life and he was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and he was kind of naive about it and at the end of the movies he's certainly learned no I'm not bitter and jaded yet because I'm still like sort of finding my way in this but I've mm-hmm. learned important lessons he including shoots like first. sometimes yes. yeah, I like it, it. <laughs> you know what I'm, I am okay with it because nobody said like let 
that's why you always need to shoot fast at the yeah. end. Yeah, like, that would have been, I felt like that, that was fine. Been terrible. Yeah. If they had said that, or if he had ever actually said the words like life debt to Chewbacca, that that would have been too much. That, or or I made this joke on Twitter, but if if someone had said to him, damn it, Solo, one of these days you've got to learn how to shoot first. Yeah. 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 That would have been, yeah. That I would have yeah. thrown something at the screen. Yeah, it's actually the reason that I was happy. I was happy that there's that sort of Ellis Island moment where the, the uh, gray government bureaucrat yes. assigns him the last Better name Solo because I was yeah. so in that moment in the theater I'm thinking they're thinking oh please 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 don't say I guess you could say I'm <laughs> solo and they didn't do that they're like no 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 <laughs> I'm just gonna the, give you that yeah. you flash the title card right there too. it avoided doing bad things like it, it, for it all really of my complaints about it, some of the references not having a lot of wit there were like Every moment that they could have gone horribly wrong, they didn't, right? That's so true. May- maybe it was dull and maybe it wasn't what you wanted and maybe you could have done without the thing, but they never, like, there were there were not a lot of really low points in this movie where I just groaned. Every part of it was either good and enjoyable or just kind of, like, flat yeah, and doing even, even the Even telling Chewbacca, we need to find you a nickname, didn't bother me because he didn't no. be like, I'll call you Chewie. We'll call right? you like, exactly, right. They, they avoided, avoided being terrible. hammering anything so deep that, it, like, the nail went through the other side. I think one of the smartest things about this movie is I was trying to count up the number of times that I felt the movie had a very obvious thing that it, that I thought it was probably doing and that it didn't. And uh, Kelly mentioned one of them, which is we see that whole first Sabacc game where they need to get a ship and he's betting with Lando and pretending that he doesn't know the game. And they get to that moment where the ship is in there and they're going to win the ship and they lose and you realize because that the movie cheats. is because he cheats but that's the movie is playing you. the movie knows you think we're going to see the yes, famous card exactly. game where he wins the Millennium Falcon and the this game. is not it and there are a couple others I want to mention uh, with Kira which is first off okay this is the love of Han Solo's life supposedly at this point right but we know Han Solo from all the other movies it's, there's it's no teenage Han Solo there's yeah. no older Daenerys kicking around right exactly right it's Chewbacca but um, well, but so it's so, like when you're in high school and you're like oh this person is the of my life and like for a lot of people no it's not really so watching a movie as a movie viewer again we think well she's not going to make it out of this movie there's the one character i know outside of the ones who who we've seen in other movies who i know Mm -hmm. is not going to make it out maybe woody harrelson will make it out maybe he won't you know maybe sandy newton will make it out maybe she won't she doesn't but i'll tell you and we'll get there i'll tell but i'll tell you who is definitely not getting out of this movie is kira and she totally, totally does her. and also there's a moment <laughs> where where they're the masked mercenaries with the voice changers at the beginning on the train heist which is a fun scene the train heist where the train oh, yeah. tilts because we can't mm-hmm. have you know we can't have straight mm-hmm. trains we gotta have tilty trains when we're going around quarters um that that is so obviously like this is going to be somebody who we're going to reveal and i'm like oh that's totally kira and she's left the planet and has started her own band of mercenaries nope yeah that's not her either we meet her in a totally different context and i was happy like i kept expecting the movie to do the thing that would make me say yeah i saw that coming that's obvious and more often than not it didn't and mm. i i i respect that that they, that they were trying not to just hit it right on the head every single time i did keep waiting for like the eye roll of like oh right? that's mm-hmm. gonna be kira you know or um you know obviously she's not gonna be the one that makes it out you know like what what you're saying right? and and there never was one where i was like oh like i got a little like Jabba really but that was the worst of it there was never any point where I was like oh that's just ridiculous or like why would we go there um so that was what I think I didn't like I also predicted at the beginning of the movie how it would end which is that he would he would end up going to Tatooine and and uh, walking into a cantina (laughs) 
and that didn't happen either. And I was like, oh, good, 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 good. Ten years when he walks through the doorway. Well, no, no, it would just be like his first time at the cantina. It's going to just hang up there now. Even with the Jabba thing, it didn't bother me as much because, again, he was never named. Like, if you were the Star Wars, if you're the person who's seen Star Wars but isn't a deep Star Wars fan, you might be like, oh, yeah, there's that. that that's the, the planet from the first movie, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't even think necessarily they hit it directly on the head there. And there were a nice number of things that I felt like subverted things that, you know, like Jason's saying, the subverted what I, my expectations. I mm-hmm. really loved the scene. I really loved the first meeting with Chewie. I, I thought that oh, scene was, yes. to me, delightful. Yeah, the fact that, that, that he doesn't just... That was the just, closest to being on the nose, because I, I knew it was Chewie, like, as soon as he, as said, soon beast. As he said the beast. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. But Bunny. even there, the fact that it ends up being... A, not just him saving Chewie's life, as in like the previous. I think they the saved EU his life version. A couple times. Even in the in the EU version, it's a very like the the Imperials are like beating on this Wookiee, right? And like he yeah. steps in and nobly intervenes. And this one, it's no, we got to get out of here and we got to run a scam. To We're do doing it. a scam, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. And, I, and yeah. I, you know, I want him to be like, hey, you, you want to do? You want to do? Uh, get help? You know? <laughs> um, and I really. I thought it was funny. I loved, I, I laughed out loud at the Han Solo speaking Wookiee thing, which I think is delightful, if only because they never subtitle Chewie, which is great. That's the way it should be. I loved subtitling Han with speaking really, really bad Yes. That's gotta be hard. It's tough on the throat. Donde esta de casa de Pepe? Donde esta? And it's not that Chewie doesn't understand basic right like it's right. not that he doesn't understand what han is saying when han is mm-hmm. not speaking Wookie, but han right? cares like, so... enough to try right yes. and that's that's right. how yes. what makes him stop beating his head in and tearing his arms off is that he cares Perfect. enough exactly. to actually know it. a little bit of whatever it is that Wookiees speak and and then they Shri get out Wook. of there Shri Wook, yeah. Shri Wook, right isn't yeah, that it? I, I leave right. it to all right. you Star Wars nerds again. Right. I didn't really know or care, but hey, J- I, I'm Jason, I thought of a, a more terrible way to end the movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, a more terrible way would have been to have Han on Tatooine, and he's at Mos Eisley, and he's bragging about his ex. Ex- exploits as a pilot and you pan over to another table and there's Ben Kenobi. It's Ewan McGregor and he's sitting there listening going, hmm. I, I, should, I should use this knowledge They, they run day. into each other at the bar. Yeah. And and Ben yeah. Kenobi sa- says, oh, well, if I ever need a fast pilot, I guess I know who to go to. The next time mm. I bring a young man into this bar, Ask because for Han Solo. Fade out. Yep. That's it. That's we got that a movie. Been a High terrible five. Terrible ending. <laughs> Solo two. You can have that ending for seventy thousand dollars, Lucas. <laughs> Thank <Phillips>. you. <laughs> Speaking of things that were bad, like if if they ever came close to making a groaner, uh, I think the closest they came is actually something that has nothing to do with Star Wars, and it didn't make me groan, but it made me a little bit disappointed because in the other aspects they didn't do what I expected, um, and that is whenever they show card games in movies the the lowest form of this is that card games consist entirely of having the best cards there's no strategy with betting there's no nuance there's like it, it's it's pretend as if the skill is by getting the best cards which is the the i don't know if i want to say like the dumbest version of how cards might be like but both <laughs> of the card both of the card things they show here were like that that there is somehow skill involved in having the best cards i know they can't show a whole card game yeah i think the implication but, especially since of the way they did shorthand. it is the implication is it's literally poker um because right, but, but of having the, way the best that cards isn't it. where the skill is in poker either like I, you can't like because it was well, a big enough part of this movie that, yeah 
They could have done like Casino Royale or something. You know, I like get what, I get what John is saying because yeah, yeah. it's it's basically there's a terrible 1990s movie called Rounders. Oh where, yeah, um, oh yes. Uh, where, where terrible. Say, uh, hold your tongue, sir. <laughs> Edward Norton has not made a bad movie. There's <laughs> a substandard movie called Rounders, and they and they I'll, do I'll the take whole. It. It's all it, every whoever gets the greatest hand ever in poker, right. and, and as is if that's the, the skill. You like yeah. it's random. You didn't choose to get that hand, and that's it. That's all they show is uh, like no one even bluffs. Like the second level is from the, you know that's the worst level. The second level is all there is is like learning to bluff with nothing. Right. Whereas you and, contrast and, that cheap. with say the sting, and the sting uh, is uh, a more clever use of the card game. But but the sting to, is to also a it. movie largely about that. Whereas I feel like this is periphery. The implication. Yeah, Sure. in this is that Han Solo has been bluffing and that Lando is calling his bluff at one point and and I you know it, but it's shorthand it's not Sabak is not particularly interesting yeah. I I I I think you could make an argument that having it literally just be poker rules is a little yeah. pedestrian the, the one thing i thought they were gonna do this is like the only thing i know about sabak dan has probably actually played sabak is there is a hand in sabak called the idiots array which is like the worst hand which therefore actually wins so i thought that was gonna be the thing that they would do but I, I, i'll they tell you not. as somebody who watched those james bond movies where they play baccarat and it was like yeah. a, it, it was like a game from outer space yes. i was a little disappointed that, that this was just poker because like baccarat that thing is from from is from star wars land i'm sorry I will say I'm sad that they didn't use the EU version of Sabak, which actually inver in involves the cards randomize and change values until you like freeze them. Oh, interesting! By like playing them on the table, which is interesting. But again, explaining that in a two-hour movie just mm -hmm. might not have been in the you time. You don't have to budget. explain it, but all you're looking for is a dynamic, to, some some dynamic other than the the fate of this hand is already decided beforehand because you have better cards than that person and somehow you having better cards shows that you're the better player which it doesn't that's not what being a better player means you just got lucky right that they need to show something we don't need to know the rules we just have to know like uh, for example in bluffing we have to understand how he convinces his opponent that he is in a better position than he's really in by by using his wit or intimidation or whatever the more the more important thing here for me from that first game is that lando cheats it doesn't matter how good Han is it comes <laughs> yeah, because he's gonna lose and that to me is fine because it's it's not really about the card mm -hmm. game it's about yeah. these characters interaction and the 3D, way that they're 3D gonna chess how does it work by the way maybe i'm reading too much into it but i feel like all those people are just there to hang out with lando and hear his stories <laughs> yeah. they're gonna have to lose a few hundred dollars to, for the to the rights to do that for an evening yeah, space but they're just there hanging on lando's every word as he tells their ridiculous stories i, I like they didn't use chips they just use like any junk that's in their pocket like yeah, yeah. Like piles of oh, junk yeah. on the table yeah, yeah. yeah. we're betting with Coins and chiclets and explosives, space, dollars. space and, yeah. hyperspace powder hyperfuel. or whatever. Hyperfuel. Like, oh, Hyper, hyperfuel. So I want to, yeah. yes, hyperfuel. It's in the opening uh, thing, which is the, the By long the way, if there is something, if there is something bad, that, that the opening, opening thing may be the, the worst opening part title of the cards were unnecessary. Yeah, I think they, everything, everything in them. Everything it covers, you learn in the first 15 minutes. Everything in them was gotten by context, like within yeah. five well, minutes. Well, it, it was another opening gag, like two movies in, and I'm done with the opening gags. Because Rogue One, it was like, are they going to do a crawler or not then? And it's like, haha, we psych you out by having a musical stinger, but it's not the musical stinger you thought it's not the it's I not really the opening think that was a gag right no that is it's a play it's a play on your expectations about how they're going to open the standalone movie so rogue one 
you know, had a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then, bam, but it's not the beginning of Star Wars. This one wants to do a gag again. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and the next screen is more text in the same <laughs> font. Also not, it's not a, it's, if that's a gag, it's not a good one. It's, it's a play, <laughs> I know, but it's, both of them are plays on our expectations of how they're going to open standalones, and I feel like that's done now. They should... They should figure out a different way to way to do it because yeah. uh, yeah. you need to learn the name Lady Proxima. It's not like that's a character that will disappear in the first twenty minutes yeah. and never be seen again. <laughs> I frankly, I frankly, they could have just done once again a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then just started the movie. Yeah, that right, exactly. Fine. That's all you need to do. I was just happy to see the Oxford comma on the screen. <laughs> Huge as life in front of me. I am not kidding. That was one of my favorite moments of the entire experience. Amazing, amazing. Well, mm-hmm. grammar, you know, whatever it takes to yep. get you out to the movie theater. <laughs> That'll do it. Okay, everybody, time for one last break for this sponsor. It's Zip Recruiter. Every business needs great people, and every business needs a better way to find those people. If you're hiring, you'll be delighted to know you don't just have to post your job online and hope the right people see it. Zip Recruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you're never going to miss a great match that comes in the door. The right candidates are already out there. ZipRecruiter will help you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right absolutely free by going to ziprecruiter.com slash snell that's ziprecruiter.com slash snell thank you ziprecruiter for their support of the incomparable ziprecruiter the smartest way to hire i want to talk about the plot a little bit um only because just i mean big picture we can talk if you've got details and things little scenes you want to talk about i'm not going to walk through it but i will say and i'm not trying to throw rogue one under the bus here because there are a lot of things a very different movie very different feel to the movie hard to compare the two of them um uh, I had more fun in this one than Rogue One, but I thought Rogue One had a lot of things going for it that were very good. Um, I, I I will say this, though, which is this plot, even though it, it it's an adventure and it rambles from place to place to place, it, I, I felt like it was a single kind of through line and it all kind of hung together. And Rogue One feels like several other kind of high-budget uh, special effects movies of the last decade where it feels like they had plot problems and they were trying to stick scenes together in order to, in order to get it to, to work right. And even the first time I watched it, I was like, where are we now? What's happening now? Why did we go here? And in Solo, I never felt that. I felt like it was much more at ease with what it was trying to do, which was not the same thing as what Rogue One was trying to do. And, and that the plot just kind of like it hung together. There are individual elements of it that may be silly or not, but I felt like it, it just kind of felt a little less artificially stitched together than given that it was a movie that had a bunch of reshoots. I think that's kind of miraculous, but it felt fine. That's what happens when you hire Ron Howard and he reshoots a whole bunch of the movie. Like he clearly, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. And so I think that a lot of the reshoots were probably to spackle things together. Like rather than just being like, well, let's use what we shot. 
and try and fill it out he was like no we're gonna go back and fix this so that this actually works and he made it harder for themselves by having a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this movie there's a lot of characters there's a lot lot of moving parts there's a lot of locations a lot of things that it like it would have been a lot easier to make more or less the same movie with less of almost everything fewer locations fewer characters and it's the movie's a little bit worse for it in that you can't devote enough time to all the characters that you'd really want to but they do an amazingly good job of at least making to jason's point making all those pieces connect together maybe each of the pieces is less shiny than it could have been if you had reduced it but this is the movie they decided to make and i i, I feel like that's mcu disease where you mm-hmm. have to have a million characters in a million locations and a million different set pieces in the movie like every set piece in this movie i thought well this will surely be the last one except for the ending one and then there was like three more in between i had the exact same experience i thought my description of it after it was done was that was a lot of fun but it was a lot there was just it felt like <laughs> yeah. it felt like there was there was there was so many so many set pieces so many places it was but i didn't at the same time i didn't want to call it overstuffed because i couldn't think of anything that i would actually want to sacrifice but it does i'm not even going to call it mcu disease i'm just going to call it you know action blockbuster disease Mm -hmm. because it seems like every movie these days has to be at least two hours and 20 minutes and has to have all of those different things i had been kind of hoping that because this from the trailers looked like it was going to be a little bit lighter a little bit more of just like a fun heisty adventure romp that maybe we would get back to that sort of more slim line this is just an adventure but no it was six adventures i think the jellyfish monster in the gravity well was uh, a sci-fi set piece too far and actually Eh, the most samey thing in the whole movie like the the, but right before that i thought you know we haven't had like a big boss battle is there going to be a giant boss battle because i'd really like it if there wasn't the giant boss battle that's in every sci-fi movie (laughs) as spectacle Mm -hmm. and then we went through the uh the maelstrom and i was like you know this is what this is and it was it was the least interesting action piece in the entire movie to me because it was was that was a hero moment (laughs) for the falcon though i feel like the falcon didn't get enough so I would have cut characters before I would have given more hero moments to the Falcon and fewer side characters like Woody most of Woody's band that they kill off I liked all those characters but if you want to save time you don't need them I don't think you'd save enough time to actually make it worth just yeah. like excising no. them. I just it, it just it seemed a little more generic and extraneous. I get I get that it's the Falcon at its best, but it was just like and there's a monster and there's a black hole. <laughs> and it's like okay, yeah, I, I get like it. You don't, you don't need you don't need a space squid and a black hole. Like one of those is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um. I could have gone with one or the other. And it, the only reason, like the thing that I had against the space squid was that. We got the, and of course I'm not going to remember the name and Dan is going to jump in and tell me it. Um, the worm on the asteroid. It's just called the space log, Kelly. His, it's not a particularly I know, I inventive name. I thought his name, name. was, you know, Freddy or something. Um, <laughs> so that's the part I didn't, that, that I couldn't remember, but that seemed a little familiar. So I could have just stuck with the, the gravity well and been good with that. I was, my plot hang up. Is that, and I know at some point we're, we're hopefully going to talk about Lando because I, I have nothing but love for Lando. And if there's any justice in the world, he gets his own movie. Let me just put that on record. Um, but the thing that, that surprised me a little bit, I guess, is that he would continue to bet his ship after we hook L3 to it. Like somehow it felt like to me that would have been, that should have been off limits after that. But maybe that's just. Because again, I'm like a little sentimental and I would have been more attached to the ship if I had literally hooked my first mate he into wasn't, it. He wasn't betting anything because he knew that he had the the card up his sleeve so that he was going to win. So for him, that wasn't a gamble. No, at the end, when he really did gamble it and didn't no. have the card. 
he, he thought, thought he had the card. He thought he had the card. Because Han hugs him, Han, steals, Han the card. steals the card. Yeah. yeah. Again, simplified where he, that, just that one green card makes every hand a winning hand. Yeah, that's the wild yeah. card. Which it does. So it's, it's the wild card. The literal, it's the, the wild Trump, card. The Trump key card. is to save it to the end, right? You don't use it early <laughs> yep. on. That's, that's how you win Sabak. That's your strategy. You should have like 20 of those cards. Yeah. I mean, apparently the rules are pretty loose in this casino. Every, every sleeve. I believe Sabak is basically cheating is okay as long as you don't get caught. I think that's part of the. Those were the rules we invented when we came up with uh, how why don't they make the whole plane out of the green card? Yeah. <laughs> Early on, so the, we we get a first the, the first scene is is you know we get we get some car chases and stuff like that. You know, speeder chases. Sorry, they're not cars; they're totally speeders. And and Han, we get we get Han on um as a as a grunt in the in the army basically of the Empire. He's not even good enough to be a stormtrooper. He's just he doesn't get any special armor. He's just a dude with wow, a, he's cannon fodder. he's cannon fodder exactly yes. right. Because he's washed out, because he's insubordinate. Who would have thought? Who would have seen that coming? And that's when he sees uh, Woody Harrelson and his gang, and uh, meets Chewbacca. And Chewbacca is the thing that gets them to uh, get them to pick to pick them up, which is funny. And they they debate that. He's like Chewbacca basically says they they got us because of me, and he's like, no no no, it's me. I'm great. Um, but we very quickly go to the train heist, which you gotta love a train heist. I really liked this scene. I like as. I had that moment of like this seems very uh very uh, uh elaborate the that the train kind of keeps tilting but it certainly added a whole interesting dimension to the action of them dropping down and having to avoid getting hit by rocks and then there's yeah, more it was a complications third it was it, indeed <laughs> what i what i liked about that scene is you could actually see what was going on a lot of uh yeah. modern day action scenes get really muddy yeah the geography really, was clear yeah yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and there were uh, very clear shots and this is the ron howard influence where you can see sandy newton she's in the foreground and you can see the train coming in the background and that gives you the dummy in the audience a, a perspective on what's happening and you have this amount of time to pull off the heist and and things are coming it was a really well filmed uh action sequence and you'd expect no less from the guy who did apollo 13 and they explain the plan only once mm-hmm. well and i liked being able to keep up you know mm-hmm. like sometimes when it when when some of those action sequences get a little ADD and it's very choppy and you're trying to show me action in a bunch of different places at the same time and it was really nice to be able to track everything that was going on and here's where these guys are here's where these guys are here's what's happening with each of them and like the balance of here's what's happening with Val on the bridge. Here's what's happening with the the ship itself. Here's what's happening with the train. All of a sudden, we've got a new group of people, but we could figure out, like, you could still really keep up with what was going on. It wasn't like some of the, you know, some massive fight scenes where you just, like, for me anyway, like, sometimes I just have to sort of wait till they're done and yeah, when we delve into the aftermath. Kind of effect where it's just completely mm-hmm. overwhelming and exactly. all of that. Exactly. The only, um, the, so my, my, I think it's a great scene. I, I think it was really well executed my issue with it is and this goes to a larger character issue which is so we meet thandy newton she is val she is beckett's wife she's great i was like oh good she escaped from westworld after all that's if you've seen westworld you've seen um but at, but at the at the key moment when the thing's going south, she's on the bridge with the detonator to blow up the bridge, which is like, why are you there? I know she gets pinned down and she's supposed to, be, but but and then she's like, well, I'm going to just blow myself up now. And yeah. I was just like, so, I don't yeah. I don't think not, anyone is going would ever do it, that. It doesn't no. make sense yeah. because it's the scene. That's the thing that you would expect in Rogue One, right? Where it's <laughs> the oh my gosh, yeah. we need to complete the mission. For, for this the mission noble comes mission. first, but there's nothing yeah. noble about this. There's yeah. thieves who are stealing exactly. it. 
things. It doesn't make sense to sacrifice yourself. And and certainly the only argument I can see in the favor of this, and this was after talking about with my girlfriend today, was like, yeah, I guess if the thought is, look, if we don't get this stuff, Dryden Voss is going to be super, super mad and he's going to kill us anyways. So, like, at least one of us gets out alive. But, like, it really really doesn't quite work. I'd much rather she sacrifice herself having been, like, mortally wounded or something. Exactly. Exactly. Even that would have been way better. Or even if she just got, yeah, killed. There's some weird tech glitch and they're all going to die on the train if she doesn't set off the explosion and she has Maybe to stay so. there to do it or some, it yeah. needs something else. But they, that could, wasn't they could literally have just detached the cables and left and yes, just go home. By, Everyone by the go way, home every other train tomorrow. on that, every other car on that train must not have had hyper fuel in it because they all, <laughs> they all crash and there's no giant explosion. And I'll nothing just, mattered. Yeah. Well, you, you well that's why they were stealing that car. Just that car. Yeah, that's did, right. Yeah. yeah. Just that car. Just that so, that one because they did they had, they had to detach the tr- the cars behind it and they were then trying to detach the cars in front of it yeah, so just that car yeah and they che- wanna, that's why they checked it to make sure that's what was in there why didn't they just detach the cars in front of it without blowing up the bridge like it seems like you could still kind of just remove you it. can't lift the car off I guess that's true it's off the, the railing yeah I don't yeah know. but once the once the engine is detached then you go okay we've we've overthought that but uh, <laughs> let me uh, break out my guide to imperial motto thank, thank you all <laughs> you know I'm sure there is somebody out there who is really excited that their uh, love of Star Wars and, and Model trains has finally come together um but but uh dandy newton i know the real world explanation is probably something like um well they couldn't get dandy newton for very long anyway because she was had to go back to do westworld or something but they wanted to you know they wanted they wanted beckett well, they, they wanted to, to trim down they wanted crew beckett's because... crew to be lost so they had to use yeah. han and chewie yeah. and so she's a great character and i was sad to lose her here and i wish that if she I wish that she had been able to go out with a little bit more of a blaze of glory that made yes. sense, right? Like I was so- kind of wondering if that was one of the seams with the with the reshoots. I don't know. I was looking for those and I didn't feel like I saw too many. Maybe maybe you all saw more of them. Uh but like I mean for example, I I kind of wish I didn't even know that going into the movie. But like Paul Bettany was not there for any of the original shots. That there was played by somebody else and he's he's only in the reshoots. So maybe Whoa. Oh right, right. Yeah. He replaced Michael K. Williams. Yeah, and he texted Ron Howard with a "Please put me in the movie," <laughs> <laughs> right? Because it was gonna it was gonna be Omar from The Wire. Yeah, he was gonna play like a space lion. So yeah, we missed out on that. <laughs> Damn, I'm I'm okay with this. I want to derail for just a yep. second to talk about her, oh, partly de- because um, oh, hi, the host of the yeah. Westworld show. Yeah, uh, really wants to talk about Tandy Newton. I know that's gonna come as a surprise, but um, the in the real world, like when they went to the premiere. She wore a dress that was made of fabric yes. that featured black the the action figures of black characters from Star Wars. But that's mm-hmm. not the best part they of the they, story. They were, were they not the, photos of her childhood the, action yes. figures? The best part of the story is they hired a professional photographer to go take pictures of her collection of black Star Wars guys. And so that's how the fabric came to be. Those are her Childhood actual toys. action figures mm-hmm. printed on fabric and turned into that beautiful dress that she wore to the premiere. I was really excited that she got her own poster. And so then I was, I was really in disbelief when she blew up the bridge. Cause I'm like, no, she falls off the bridge well, into the ship her to come or back somewhere. something like we see her later somehow. She's got to have another plan, right? A, For her to go that yeah. easy, she's got to have another plan. And then yeah, she, this, this isn't a Marvel movie. <laughs> it but was, it was, it, yeah, I'm with Kelly. It was anticlimactic in, and it's a great character. It just seemed, it seemed like it made no sense. And we didn't get a lot of the fallout from it, right? Like Beckett, 
does not we don't get a lot of scenes of him no. being super super torn up about I it which is that that, that i will argue that i will agree with you is 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 uh a demerit but um i i like a movie that's not afraid to kill off a major character in act one or act two oh um, yeah yeah, sure. It's just the well, way she, she was, the, the way yeah. she goes is my problem with it. Is I felt like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. not sure. the biggest issue. Like for sure. it, they, they didn't they didn't earn that well enough by having her like be forced into the situation where she's like, well, I guess I got to blow myself up. I yeah. really wish you guys hadn't pointed that out to me because it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, <laughs> and all right. now it does. <laughs> oh, I just wanted. I was like, no, no, no. There's, she's got to. There's got to be another wrinkle. Nope, she's just blowing herself up. All right. Well, Dan, Danny Newton, thank you for being. Join me, here. Erica. Join me in camp <laughs> indifference. Yeah. <laughs> And then Woody not being torn up about it, that's a symptom of having so much stuff in the movie because there's just no yes, time. There's like, no time if you want to yeah, have a, a death there. and then a meaningful scene and having people like having a whole scene where they're sad and reminisce about the person or are broken up over the course of three scenes before they come back to themselves, you just don't have time. That's what that's you get the luxury of that if you have fewer characters. It's weird because he goes he like she she gets blown up and then Chewbacca and Beckett are on the crate that is being like there's like the tug of war between the two factions, and then Beckett is like Beckett is somehow with it enough to be enraged that Han lets the thing go, causing the huge explosion. And it's like, aren't you? Well, it, yeah. it makes sense for him to be enraged because he know this. Whole, she sacrificed herself for this mission, and then they didn't yeah. actually they, pull off the mission. Which makes sense, money. but that, that's that's left for that. That is uh, left, I think, a little too subtle. Is my argument? He seems more upset about losing the score than about any emotional. So it's not in the there. moment. Right. It is there is a scene where they are off on the rocks, right? Like right after mm-hmm. the whole thing. The whole thing has gone wrong. And they made the little graves for them, right? Where they make yeah. the graves. Yeah. And that is the scene where uh, Woody Harrelson should be mourning her. Grieving, he should be yeah. a disaster. That's his entire crew on top of his wife. Right. And then plow his anger into being angry at Han. Right. And we should see that. And instead, that whole scene, I was sitting there again, only having seen it once. I, I In that scene, I was like, he is not... Um, I'm not reading him as somebody whose wife just got blown up. Like I, I, I and it's just like maybe that is one of the seams, Tony. Maybe this is something that is yeah. just a little weird. Maybe thing. she shouldn't have been his wife. Maybe she should have just yeah, been like been a like member. the space monkey and just been another crew member. So space well, you know, he never Come actually on. trusted her anyway. Yeah, yeah. I guess because I guess he didn't trust not, anybody. I guess that's true. True. Yeah, that's fair. Their vows were very light. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of commitment. Yeah. Their marriage is only recognized by uh, Tatooine. Let's say um, <laughs> it's, a hot, it's a hot marriage. Let's don't even question yeah. it. It's so just that is, and strangely not recognized on Nalhada. It's yeah. So, so um, what we're saying is that space doesn't have the full faith and credit clause. <laughs> yeah, I think that's do you want to wanna talk more about trade unions in space? Is that what you're asking? Well, for, I do. I do yeah. love the fact that at one point uh, Kira poses as a member of the Trade Federation. That made me chuckle a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yes. I am very boring. In fact, I am from the Trade Federation. I see yeah, you're that, going to sleep now. Yes, that's all part of my plan. <laughs> Phantom Menace digs in in the uh, the later movies are always fun. It's it, it's very good. Um, let's talk about Lando. Like they go, they they meet Lando. Oh, yes, we get, we, we get that last Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Uh, they play. They do play cards. Uh, they he ends up uh, like having them come on the Millennium Falcon. We get the nice shiny. It's still got the escape pod on it 
<laughs> it's, like, it's got, like it's got a boot on it. He's got the parking boot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's got a different it's got a different dish, right? The dish gets knocked off, right? So it's like the a pre yeah. pre dish before they get the dish mm-hmm. that also gets knocked off. It's a design. It's just flaw. sticking out. It's, it's, sticking it's always out, yeah. ready to be knocked. It's like having a rear it's like having side it's view bumpers. mirrors and people just driving by. And, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, exactly right. It's sticking out there. It's gonna it's gonna Dan, get knocked you need off. To be a, you need to learn to be a better driver. <laughs> I lost the parked in front of your house. <laughs> I love uh I love Donald Glover. He's great. He I feel like he's walking a line where there's not a lot we don't get a lot of Lando in the original trilogy, right? So he's got a little bit of Billy D. Williams to work with in the original trilogy, and then he's got to kind of like fill it out his from there. His voice is so good, he, though. He really gets the cadence mm, down. Of he does. His body, his body language is pretty good, too, right? And there's a yes. whole room full of capes in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, the, the cape room. Yes. The cape room is great. The first scene where we, where we hear Lando before we even really see him I had a, a, like, and you know, I've seen Donald Glover on a bunch of different stuff, like, it's been a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's really good at adapting. It's not like he does voices, right? Like, it's not like he's doing impressions, but, like, he is really good at changing and modulating his voice to suit the role that he's in. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard him on the screen, I was like, oh, my gosh, he definitely, like, spent a lot of time reviewing tape of Billy D. Williams because he pretty much nails it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that was the best choice. Like, I didn't want him to do a Lando impression, no matter how good. I was happy to have him just play the character the way he wanted to play them without uh, respectability. It was partially because, like, you knew this was going to be a lighter movie than Empire, to say the least. And when I think of Lando, I don't think of the suave guy who uh, hits on Princess Leia. And even then, like, there's a certain, even in that scene, there's a certain sort of tension to Lando that not not to trust even his pretending to just be a ladies man and we know it's because like the empire is already there and he knows it and so on and so forth but I just think of, of him being angry and having his friends get hurt and this deal's getting worse all the time that's what I think of when I think of Lando <laughs> whereas this movie doesn't want me to think of Lando that way it wants me to think of Lando as this guy with the card games and cheating and everything so I didn't need him to do a Billy D. Williams impression I just needed him to be the Lando he needed to be for this movie which includes the cape closet for sure I, I don't think it was an imp- personation or an impression Mm-mm. per se i think i think he he used that as his uh, as his starting point and then yeah. added his own his own uh special flair his own droid it. love angle yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of droid love in this movie <laughs> oh yeah so phoebe waller bridge is what's he, not to love is uh, is l3 his uh his also, droid like pointing out that you know how many movies are we in and and sentience on droids has still been very we have talked about very it so much on this podcast about what no the role sense. of droids is it, and so yes, in this movie you have l3 and when they're when they're in there trying to get the raw coaxium out of the uh out of the mine in in kessel right and and she's like popping off restraining bolts and being like free free it's a little bit like uh henry thomas and <laughs> et freeing all the frogs right she's like freedom freedom <laughs> and then you know and it spreads and it's not just a droid revolt because of course there's slaves there too so it's everybody gets to be free and it's there's a whole uprising caused by lando's droid who totally loves him um and talks about him to uh, to uh to kira at one point in the worst scene in the movie yeah that, that's the well it's it's weird i mean I, I, yeah it's it's super like it's, that was the only scene. time i was taken out of it that was the only moment where i was just like what what is happening <laughs> i did like the bit where she tried i did like the beginning of that where she's like oh yeah he's super into me but i don't care right like i thought you could have left it at that <laughs> yeah that was that was one of the f- funny lines that actually worked for me where, where someone was like how does that even work and she goes 
It works. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing that bothered me was just like we we get these two amazing characters in a room, and the first thing they start talking about is dudes. And I, I was hoping, I was hoping against hope because because L three goes, you know, what are you going to do about your little problem? I was hoping at, at that moment, I was like, okay, please let this be that she recognizes that Kira is some sort of like badass mobster, and mm-hmm. Han doesn't know about that. Yeah. But then no, it's like, nope, you're taken. That's a problem. I was like, no, you ruined it. So then I kind of tried to forget that scene. And the on-screen crawl is it is a time when the Bechdel test is failed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I thought it was going to be an echo of like in, in The Force Awakens where Han goes, you know, I think he says something very similar like about your problem. is like the problem is that women always find out the truth. We like always that know. He already yeah. knows everything that's, that's going on behind the scenes. That, alas. But I do. I, the um, I really enjoy when she uh, frees everyone because it's again, it's like, is this the plan? And they're kind of like, no. Really, but it, let's go with it. Like, it's, nope. it's, 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 it's story reason for her to be like that because she she was uh, she's a little bit. I'm not going to say like you know rampancy from the marathon type things, but she's a little bit uh, eccentric and. Mm-hmm. The reason is that she's never been wiped. And so my new headcanon theory about the droids in Star Wars is that if you kind of like on Westworld, if you leave them around long enough and I guess they mm-hmm. suffer enough, uh, they become self-aware and it's a big problem. So periodically they have to be wiped so that they remain basically appliances. Mm-hmm. But but they don't want to wipe her because she's around got for the, like 30 years. So, yeah. Yeah. And she's got the map and she's never been wiped and she's going a little bit like she she has a good cause but she seems a little bit not in control of all of her faculties there's also the like the ship computers are apparently droid brains and like let's not get into that like <laughs> i will say I'm, I'm i'm currently reading last shot which is one of the which is sort of a tie-in novel with this and l3 does feature pretty prominently in it as does her whole droid liberation droids ascension <laughs> thing which is kind of an interesting word i enjoy emotionally again logic aside because tony's right it's like what does this mean i like the idea that um you know and that's why when han solo calls the millennium falcon her he actually it is it's l3 she's she's in the computer she is the computer of it's which like makes, and doesn't which talk makes stealing stealing the ship from lando much worse so 3po talks yeah. to her talks to the computer in empire and says the computer is very rude and has mm-hmm. like a yeah. personality to it which also works for me as a tie-in yeah so i like i like that aspect of it too it is erica it, it reminded me of doctor who a little bit it's like there is someone in there we, she doesn't talk <laughs> but but it's got you know the ship has got a mind of her own too and that's that's l3 i thought it was a nice moment because i thought again l3 hmm, she's probably not going to make it but instead they they just turn it a little bit and say well actually they took her her memory and her uh, her database and they put her in the millennium falcons computer and so now she's part Which of that could be another one of those you know fan servicey things that nobody was asking for but i liked it yeah i thought it was i thought it was a, a sweet way to do it yeah i like i like k2so as well this is two kind of like uh humanoid tall humanoid droids with personalities and those personalities are not r2d2 or c3po's personalities right. so mm-hmm. successful two standalone movies two memorable droids with different personalities yeah and i'm going to point out that i am going to adopt a piece of her conversation as my own and from now on whenever anybody says can i get you anything do you need anything i'm going to say equal rights <laughs> Here, i had that same thought speaking of lines that are too on the new no she does say um they don't serve our kind here and that was too yeah, on that, yeah. that was yeah. too but, on but the see, nose i bet i bet almost nobody got that we all think I of course everybody well, knows that famous line but i bet it was just fine for everybody all right else. well i, yep. I know that I one. no problem because that's what they say to r2d2 and c3b and when they go into mm-hmm. the cantina in star wars is yeah. we don't serve your kind here and they kick them out 
Which is a good point. I mean, she's she's not wrong. No, she's not wrong. No, I, yeah. I like. By the way, also in that in that place where she tries to stir up uh, uh, rebellion, and uh, Lando's like, "Oh, we got to get out of here." I, I like that they have like it's like a uh, cage match with with battle bots with um, gonk. and there. they're gonk. gonk. It's gonk on gonk yeah. power droids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. If you you want to watch two refrigerators slugging it out, that's entertaining. <laughs> well, in that Star part Wars of space, world. there is not much. Yeah. It's either cards or watching I mean, power sure, droids. We literally have holograms that can dance and do nope. whatever for people but, but no you can't I bet watch two refrigerators holograms. each other yeah it was yeah. great i'm that sorry i really laugh. i laughed i laughed at chewy trying to wipe all the holograms off the oh chest that was good oh i absolutely did good stuff yeah good stuff and he and wipe he's 190 years old he's never seen the holographic <laughs> you gotta chest. look a few moves ahead it's like teaching him how to play it that's good that's uh i, I, can, I was laugh. waiting for him to tear lando's arms off and then they would just sew him back he on did tear somebody's arms but i'm like where's the arm tearing it's gotta be here somewhere i liked it it was just that that uniform was perfectly my side yeah <laughs> that's right yep very good very good um so let's talk a little bit about kira maybe so she is of course the uh oh uh, we're gonna escape our our place together and then han gets away and she doesn't and so he's like i'm gonna come back and save her but it turns out she's working for mobsters basically um including uh dryden voss who is paul bettany and uh and she is uh she's in the life of uh, the of the gangsters and she's assigned to them so she goes on this mission with them but she's got her own it's very clear and she makes clear to han like she's been leading her own life and he doesn't understand all the stuff well, that she's been doing well, not so much leading her own life because she's like how did you get out how did you escape and she, she says, says, I, I, didn't. I didn't and she's got the mark I didn't, on which that. means that she is, yeah. is basically like she's not like off living her own life her it's just her indentured servitude or her, essentially her slavery has has gone up a she's notch in, in wardrobe in the but it's the same thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, I, exactly. I like that they didn't delve too much into it they kind of left it vague honestly i thought mm-hmm. i was a little worried they were going to start delving into here are all the awful things i had to do or oh, here is what i imagine. had to compromise and that's fine that is fine you can leave it to the imagination i actually think it works better that way and feels it feels less exploitative. I don't know if everybody had that feeling. That was to me. It felt a little less like it felt yeah, a little less exploitative. In it. To, yeah. Plus, yeah. there's no time. Yeah. I yeah. felt like no we didn't need to know. It was there was just some stuff that they gave us that we didn't need to know about, like the marks on Jarvis's. I mean, on Dryden Voss's face. Um, yep. That like and they like sometimes they were red. Like when he was angry, they would get more red, and then they would be a little less red when he was like trying to be cool about stuff. And we don't know how they got there. We don't know why no. that's what they do. We don't know anything about, it, and it doesn't matter. And we don't know anything about what she had to do because we can see on her face that like it was pretty brutal, and that's yeah. all we needed to know about yeah. what happened there. Yeah. And, and, and Han doesn't know either, so it's the same mystery that yes. he's under. And like, she he doesn't want to tell him stuff. because it's she's one embarrassed. of those instances where less is more. Yep. Yes. Yep. And it worked really well. And in a lot of movies, there's a tendency to make everything very obvious and spell it all out and hold the audience's hand through it. So when that doesn't happen, I'm always pleased. And this was one of those moments. And I also really liked that her character, like, she doesn't get the guy and she doesn't get got. And it seems like that's the only two endings for a lot of female characters in anything, let alone in a sci-fi movie, let alone in a Star Wars movie. So it was really nice to see her go off to be her own thing. And, (sighs) you know, maybe there'll be some EU 
for that. Yeah, her like, own she'll mob be her own book yeah. or yeah. movie. Or- With her own yacht. Who, By the way, that yacht is a great thing because it, it reduces the amount of travel that the characters have to do in the movie plot-wise. Mm-hmm. It's really great because it's a whole like world unto itself, but it, it goes from planet to planet, so they don't need to like go to the yacht and then come back at, at mm-hmm. various points, which I, I thought was just as a mechanical thing, I thought was really smart. It goes where where they go. And you're right. I mean, this is, this is where it subverts our expectations because we expect her to have this bookend of some sort, and it's probably not good and instead she gets a hologram call from darth maul and uh is basically like okay now you can and, we, she, and she takes that call. Uh, yeah and she's like yeah. we're gonna all right i'm gonna take the yacht and we're gonna do some more space uh, mobstering and that's what we're this gonna movie, do this movie is a super villain origin story and, essentially yeah and, and what's funny about it is as a standalone movie i like the idea that they leave that loose end there and are like are we gonna the way it's played is kind of like are we gonna learn more like the, about what she's gonna, gonna, gonna do sequel. like yeah but it's not yeah, that's why i was asking like which EU character is she supposed to be? Like, is that is that Mara Jade? Who is that? Is that a person? But she's apparently nobody. Maybe she'll be in the Lando uh, the Lando movie. She'll re- recur in or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But I liked it. All that said, uh, for me, Amelia Clark was the worst thing about the movie. Interesting. Yeah, I just didn't care for her. I've the cards on the table. I've never really cared for her in anything. Oh. So uh, perhaps I'm I'm coming at it from a, a a bad place to begin with. I I she just didn't do a lot for me and i thought she um um some of the choices that she made just didn't um didn't make that character as poignant or as um um uh crucial to the story as it could have been yeah i'm kind of team phil here i actually didn't have enough detail in her story about not so much about her backstory but detail in like her like make it clear make it clearer over the course of the movie to plant the seeds of her making that choice that she makes at the end like her her you know obviously han wants her to go han is always like come with me come away with me so on and yeah. so forth and she's like eh, yeah, yeah it doesn't want it right but i never see the sort of they don't have enough in the movie for me to explain why she chooses to steal the yacht instead of going with han Th- this, is as- the, this is the instance where less is less uh-huh. yeah <laughs> so. yeah she i mean i actually i really loved the film i liked all of it but for for me yeah of all of the characters she was the one that i liked the least and i don't know if that's because i've seen her and other stuff and had more trouble separating her from that than i did any of the other ones actually woody harrelson is one of my least favorite actors ever and i thought he was great in this mm-hmm. so so it's certainly not me coming in with a with, with previous feelings about her it's just that she didn't i i wanted to care about her as much as han did um as much as possible because obviously we know who he ends up with later but but i just i never quite felt the chemistry between them as as actors and didn't get the impression that she was like I wanted to see more struggle from her because there were moments where I think I was supposed to think that she was really happy to see him and it just I don't know it it it, it, it didn't touch my heart the way I was was hoping that it would so that at the end when she I, betrayal is the wrong word but she kind of betrays him she just you know yeah. wanders off like it didn't uh, I didn't feel bad about it in the way that yeah. I kind of felt like I should have. It's not. Is it even really betrayal? I mean, he's got. No, it's his, not his, a betrayal because no. he's got his his money, you know, thing. Yeah, it's not money, but you know, thing that can be money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got his Wookie. He's got his gun. But he's, but he he's thought she was coming. He thought that you know. what I mean, that was the understanding that that there. Yeah. Wh- why would she leave without him? Finally, every all the the foes are vanquished and we have been victorious. Let's go away together. And he's there expecting her to come, and she makes a different choice. And so he was at the very least surprised by that choice. And she doesn't call him and say, "By the way, I've decided to leave." She just leaves. She just goes. But she. T- 
told him like the the point of the game is not to win the point is to stay in it as long as you can so she doesn't know any other way and remember she sort of freaked out when they were trying to leave Corellia in the first place because she's like we could get sold to traffickers we don't have any protection what are we going to do and so she's making what is to her the safest choice that was how I read it was uh, I read it that she like telegraphed kind of that punch that gut punch way before she ever actually delivered it by driving off but but it seems to me like a more of an ambitious play like she actually has ambitions right uh-huh. because mm-hmm. you know she like she wants she wants that ship she wants that power she wants to take that call from Darth Maul she she wants to be a, learn she the force from it. him or That's, whatever we know she wanted to take it cuz she made the call by putting the ring in the thing Right, right. So I'm saying like, but that shows to me ambition, not just to stay, not just to like, not just to keep going and survive, but but that she wants more. She she's been close enough to power to see what it is, and she wants it. Yeah, yeah. I think I my I don't I don't mind Amelia Clark, and I like her in Game of Thrones, and I thought she was fine here. I I can I will I will say that. Um, I don't know if I really feel like the character, like the performance changed from when she was on um, Corellia at the beginning to when we see her supposedly three years later and she's been through all this gangster stuff. Like, she didn't seem any different to me. And I think that's a bad choice of performance to, to have They her... needed to stick that in some yeah. way where like, because at first I was like, what is her role here? It just felt like she's here because the story requires her to be here. And, you know, you, I, I wanted there to be a thing where she's like, Han, you need to walk away now because this is really dangerous or if, because apparently she Something. knows how dangerous it is. Uh, yeah. And and should be, either she should be trying to get him out or, 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 or pretend not or to use know him. him. That never or happens. Him, right? And neither kind of happens. Right? She just comes she's, up and says, hi, Hi, it's me. You yeah. remember me from the beginning for, of the movie? For a theoretically <laughs> future high aspiring crime boss, she she kind of goes with the flow. Yeah, she doesn't feel um, super torn there, nor does she feel like she's seen like the first time he sees her and she's taken aback. Like, there's no moment where I felt like, whoa, she's a totally different person than she was when we saw her right. t- thirty yeah. minutes ago when yeah, it was she, three she years ago. She looked pretty ago. good in the slums too, right? Yeah, and she had the same kind of demeanor then. And I guess you could say like she was always this way. But if they're trying to believe that she's seen horrible things and she's done horrible things, like. I don't know. It didn't feel like that, nor did she feel like she was totally kind of like torn between the two in a way that maybe, I, and maybe that comes down to having, you know, three different directors, you know, in two different blocks and, and maybe it's a it limitation felt, of the performer. It, it I don't felt know. A little bit like, it felt a little bit like Hanya should have walked in. He's like, oh, what did you have to do here? Like, I mean, how did you survive? How long did you get here? And she'd be like, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. It was really hard. Uh, yeah. Terrible things. Yeah. <laughs> like that was kind of the level. Hey, of who? They, Let's, they yeah. literally, anyway, moving on. They literally bump into each other at a party. It's like having player characters meet in a in a Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you're in the same place now, and you're friends because we need to move on. The galaxy is not as big as we had thought because people keep bumping into the same people over and over again in Star Wars. So we know that it's actually a small town uh, spread out over a galaxy. Let's okay. We talked about everybody else. Um, what did everybody think of the very difficult job of that Alden Ehrenreich had, which is he had to play Han Solo, who we is indelibly Harrison ford how did he do how did he do it's not harrison ford I, to me it is not a harrison ford performance that's to me okay uh i think as to the point earlier about you know donald glover trying to channel billy d williams i think it would have been bad if he had tried to just just do a han solo impression because i think that would have been very hard and i think it would have been lacking I really thought, you know what, I I was worried about it going in because that's the performance that has to hold this whole movie together. This is a character we know incredibly well over the course of four movies uh, and just popular culture. 
and I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, you know, I, I don't think he's going to measure up to Harrison Ford in the long run, but I felt like he had enough distance from the role, both chronologically and in just sort of the age of the character, that he could afford to make some different choices while re- retaining a kernel of what makes this character the way he is. Mm-hmm. I really thought his brash flamboyance worked really well you know the scene where he steps forward at the end i've got 30 mercenaries in that ship and they snap my finger and the ship takes off yep. I mean, just like that's a han solo thing right there is i'm going to bluff and it's not gonna work out and to me he nailed the bullet points of that character and he gave an engaging performance and i thought you know what that's probably about the best i could ask for in that role yeah i I don't have strong Han Solo feelings. Like, I, yes, I like Harrison Ford. I like Han Solo, but I have, you know, friends with like Han Solo tattoos and things. And, uh, so, and I thought it was, was great. Like, it, it was, for, for somebody with my level of, of fandom, I think it was, it was wonderful. I enjoyed him because I felt like I could see where that character became the character I know from the other movies. And that's all I really wanted out of that character. And out of that performance. And I felt the same way about Lando. I can see where that Lando turns into the Lando that now I want to see every minute of the, of that time because I loved Donald Glover in this, but, um, you know, hashtag team Lando, but I really, I, I could see how that character became the one that we all know. And that's what I felt like we needed in that. And I felt like there was enough enough Han Solo in it, not necessarily Harrison Ford, but Han Solo in it to make it believable and enjoyable. It it wasn't um, as successful as Donald Glover was with taking the existing Lando character and making it his own, but it was successful enough. He hits the notes that he's supposed to hit. He does the the smirk. Well, he really nails the shitting grin with the, uh, (laughs) and the, and the telling the porkies to try and uh, uh, get ahead. He does that. Well, I admit I'm disappointed that they couldn't work in a twid, twid that it were so, because that would have been a a great moment for me. uh, If you've seen uh, uh, hail Caesar with, uh, with the actor, but uh, uh, generally, I thought it was a pretty good performance. Um, so um, yeah, I, I I was pleased with it. So he doesn't read as Han Solo to me, uh, mostly because he's lacking what I think is one of Han Solo's defining characteristics in the original trilogy on, which is his world weariness. But at this point, he shouldn't be world weary. So it's kind of hard to say, okay, you're going to play a young Han Solo, but before it becomes world weary. And it's like, well, that's, that's his whole thing. Even Indiana Jones is also very world weary because Harrison Ford is, he's just got that kind of dry. I've seen it all. You know, it's, it's been tough. It's, 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 it's you know, it's not this the, is years, the Han it's Solo the, who, who has a good feeling about this, right? Freshman year Han Solo. Right. So, so, so that's why I think it's great that he didn't try to do an impression. It's great that he didn't try to appear world weary because he's not at this point. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten there yet. And I think the most important thing that this actor needed to do in this role and that the role in the script needed to do is he needed to be likable. You need because everyone likes Han Solo, even when he's being cranky, like you like him, right? You can't help but like him. Uh, He's charismatic and you're rooting for him. And that's what this character did. And kind of like lots of the other movies where I don't connect this character with their equivalent 
you know, in, in the years later movies, but it's fine. I don't need to connect them up. I just need them to be a good character in this movie. Am I rooting for them? Do I think they have charisma? Do they come off the screen a little bit? Or, you know, like everything we were saying about Daenerys, it wasn't doing for a lot of people. And I felt like he did. So at no point did I say, wow, it's like I'm looking at a young Han Solo. Never, never was I thinking that. And in fact, this I was thinking when I was watching this, like, if they made, again, a movie set in the Star Wars universe, but the star was not Han Solo, I would have enjoyed this movie just as much if it was just a movie set in the Star Wars universe about, like, someone who eventually becomes a smuggler. Like, I don't, I don't, not that I, you know, I said before I don't mind the references, but I don't need them either. If you make a good, fun movie, the main character doesn't have to be Han Solo. It can be anybody, and it's just a good movie. I will say that when his name, the actor's name came up at the very, very, you know, first name in the credits, I was like, wait, who is that? Because I had literally <laughs> forgotten he just what this dude's name was. He just into the role there. I, I just, and introducing. I, I'm not sure I ever even had really heard his name that much in the lead up to it, so I was momentarily baffled by that it's, weird name. To be fair, it's hard to say. <laughs> True. All right. Uh, one last go round then before we're uh, before we we leave is overall thoughts about like the quality. We're going to take the big picture thing. Is like, did you like it? And uh, you know how much? Uh, and if you didn't, why? And, and and how much? It's the the last the final judgments, as other podcasts might say. <laughs> let's start. <laughs> thank you with the sound effects. Uh, let's start with reference acknowledged. Kelly, what'd you think overall of Solo? Overall, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, it's exactly what I want from a Star Wars movie, which is a couple of hours of a good time that happens to be set in space. That's, that's I think I think we got that. I think we did. Erica? Yeah, here here. I just I had a lot of fun watching this movie and that is that is what I need out of really out of anything these days. <laughs> we, need, <laughs> we need some fun, gosh mm-hmm. darn it. So yeah, I I loved it. Tony? Uh yeah, I enjoyed it. And I yeah, I just want to make clear that cuz I feel like I I complain a lot, but that's just that's just how I'm a miserable person. Uh this is probably the least ambitious of the recent Star Wars movies. Uh yes. and that's fine, you know. The uh the the highs are nowhere near as high, but the lows are not as low. Uh and and that's fine. It's a nice thing to walk away from. I enjoyed it. Dan? You know, so this is interesting because it's the first Star Wars movie where the stakes are not super high, right? With all the main sequence movies, there's this idea of like, oh, this is the big epic saga, and this is about the fate of the galaxy and the universe. And, and even in Rogue, Rogue One, Rogue One's like a cheat even on Rogue that, One, right? It plays yeah. right into that, right? Even though it was a foregone conclusion that we knew how that story would end, you know, it's still tied into the greater, uh, you know, meta mythology of this whole universe. And Solo is not. It can't be, right? Like, to a certain extent, yes, they tip their hat at the Rebellion, but I feel like it's a glancing blow at best. What this really is, is an opportunity to hang out with characters that we love. And in that way, I think it really succeeds because it, it puts us, it, it lets us see more of these characters that we are, you know, have, have liked for many years and to see them in new and different situations. And that's not a thing that we're ever really going to get with like the original actors ever again. So it's a nice ability to do that. I, and I, and I think that's fine. Again, the smaller stakes thing, I actually like. I think that's, we need to dial it back a little bit. Not every movie can be world ending stakes, especially because we're going to get a Star Wars movie every, every year, year from now until we that's, die. That's, that was so, one of my takeaways <laughs> from this is that, is that it you can't think, do it. Every think year. about Marvel, you like, top it. You, when you're making a movie or two movies a year, like, you need to have variation. They all aren't going, they, you could try, but they're not going to all have the same impact. We don't live in the 
the world where there were three Star Wars movies released three years apart and they blew everybody's minds. Right now, it's there's a new Star Wars movie every year. There's going to be some range, right? In, in ambition, there should be. Just like, you know, Ant-Man is Ant-Man, right? It was not a super heavy movie, and that was okay, because not every Marvel movie had to be super heavy. And that, that I agree with you, Dan. I want, I want to put in one last word there about the score. Um, so this is a non-John Williams score, although John Williams composed the Han Solo theme that composer John Powell uses throughout the rest of it, along with some snippets of Williams' uh, music from earlier mm-hmm. movies. But what I love about this, because you're John Williams and you're the man... When I bought the album in iTunes the other day, the album says, it says artist John Williams. And then every other track says John Powell underneath it in small letters in my music app. (laughs) Even though John Williams only wrote one track for the entire album. I love it. Sorry, he owns Star Wars John Williams. That's right. He he got a reference like when they did the asteroid field thing. Yes, all of his stuff is in there. There's like six different cues from different Mm -hmm. movies in there. One of the things that I thought was very impressive is in the recruitment video for the Empire for signing up and joining the empire it's the empire theme in a major key <laughs> playing in the that. background so it's like dun 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 like like join the, the empire, em- the empire it's great. is in universe that's troubling <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a decent score i've listened to it once or twice so far i think that main theme that that williams composes is quite catchy and manages to riff on the star wars theme without being directly like ripped from it so so kudos to that all right phil what do you think uh you know to echo uh, what what Dan just said, it's nice to see a Star Wars movie where the stakes aren't, well, the fate of the entire universe is at play here. No, it's just the, the lives of a couple little people in the, the grander scheme of things, and that's that's good. It's a caper movie. It's a good yarn. I like a good yarn. Yeah. I like a good caper movie. This is a good caper. Yeah, I, I agree. John, what's your verdict? Uh, so to getting to the stakes thing that Dan was mentioning, uh, the other aspect of this sort of out universe is that the stakes are really high for all the, the Star Wars movies we've been watching lately, including for Rogue One, because Rogue One was the first standalone movie. And it was like, can they do this? Can you make a Star Wars movie that's not part of a trilogy of Star Wars movies? Uh, so the stakes were super high for Rogue One. And now this is finally the very first movie where it's not part of a trilogy and has all this weight hanging on it it's not a resurgence of star wars after the prequels and everything was a disaster and it's not the first standalone movie it's the first movie that is just another one of these things and so that that uh that that also meant that when i was going in especially with all the director stuff that i knew about of you know things getting changed my expectations were super low going to this and and i saw like i mostly avoided spoilers although i did i thought i had got spoiled because someone told me i mentioned this in slack someone had posted something they thought uh there was a fridging in this movie and i was like oh no please don't but that was not the case and so i'm glad i didn't get spoiled for that yeah like we mentioned before that kira was gonna die right that she would be fridged uh but that doesn't happen, right? So, but but anyway, I went in with low expectations because people, I, and I saw like early, you know, not reviews, but people expressing a spoiler-free opinion, and the opinion was thumbs down. Uh, and I, so I went in just kind of like, <sighs> like this is not this is my like, obligatory right. contractual Star Wars movie viewing, <laughs> right? I, 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 like, I, please, I, I was basically like, please don't let this be too bad. And I was smiling through the whole movie. Yeah, like I wasn't laughing out loud as much as I was. Like I think K two S O got more laughs out of me out loud in the theater than this. Like the, as we said, the highs weren't as high, but 
I enjoyed it all the way through. I was smiling at all of its like all of its many many problems. I'm willing to forgive just for it sort of for for it being what it was, for it being a low stakes movie, for it being different flavor and for it not going down into the lows. Like the script wasn't sparkling, but it wasn't bad. There was no really bad moments. It was a little bit big and flabby and there was, you know, we went through all of our complaints and it's very easy to find lots of places to complain, but overall I was smiling through the whole movie. I had fun. I would watch one of these every year. I'm hoping occasionally you have a good one. And like Rogue One, to compare it to, Rogue One takes itself much more seriously, yeah. has uh, probably a couple of better scenes than than this has. Like the highs are much higher, but Rogue One feels, you know, stitched together in a way this doesn't. And like, I'm I'm happy that there are two movies that are so different from each other that I actually have trouble comparing them. Like I went to, to Letterboxd and I had to like give them star ratings and it's like... It's like they're in different universes, and this is exactly what I want from standalone Star Wars movies for each one of them to be different like this. Or this is what I was thinking is it's like there are different axes here of judging art. I know it's a shocker, right? But but uh, <laughs> because I, somebody um, I was talking to somebody about this movie, and I said, you know what? I'm not sure. Like this is probably a better movie than Rogue One, but it's less ambitious. But I certainly had more fun watching it, and I think I had more fun watching it than I had watching The Last Jedi, which I think is, in my personal opinion, I know it's controversial, but I think that's a very good movie, and I appreciate it a lot. I think it's very it's ambitious, but I didn't have nearly as much fun, just sheer fun. And this mm-hmm. is the thing, like going back to what I said before, Star Wars in the long haul now, because we are in this eternal Star Wars, where it's year four of eternity of star wars right they need to they need to show variability they need to show dynamic range they need to do different movies they need to not have movies and not every movie is gonna have the fate of the universe or the fate of the franchise for that matter put on its back and this is this is encouraging to me because it's less ambitious it's meant to be a fun adventure uh it is like phil said it is it, it does that and it does that well it doesn't have to solve all the problems of the world it's not perfect but it's fun the whole time through and to th- take a bigger picture like what like what kelly said like you know as many amazing uh science fiction movies and fantasy movies and superhero movies get made i I'm not sure how many of them keep hold of the idea that it's supposed to just be fun like it like candy just like or like a roller coaster ride like it's just meant to be fun and like have me smile all the way through and leave the theater smiling and there are not that many movies that that leave me as happy as I was when I left the theater for this movie so you know is it it's not as ambitious it's not as deep but it was fun and I think it's okay to make a really fun movie. We should be happy. And and I'm with John too. My expectations for this movie not very high. Um and I I loved it. It was fun. Uh, again, that's that's okay. It's okay that a Star Wars movie is kind of inconsequential and yet was a very much a fun ride. Like I think we need to all be okay with that. The, the alternative is that they're all very serious and uh I don't want that if they're giving us a movie a year. I, I think we need more. And, and it did feel like Star Wars. It felt very Star Wars through the whole thing. And I thought it had, a, you know, its own unique look to it. And I never for, for one second thought that this is such a generic space adventure movie. Everything in it screams Star Wars. There were Wars. weird aliens and we got to see some, and there were some stormtroopers and there were some droids and there were some interesting things in the background. There is, I don't know if you noticed this, but like there's an R2-D2 style droid that is never quite 
in the center of the shot when they're doing that droid rebellion. It's always just like zipping off somewhere. And I thought that was just a funny moment of like, we're going to put a shape in that you recognize, but we're never going to really let you look at it because mm-hmm. there are lots of other droids here too, not just that one. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it felt like Star Wars and yet they were able to tell this big fun story. Like I was reminded of when I saw um, Serenity, the Firefly movie. And I had the same reaction to that one, which is, boy, that was fun. Like, fun is underrated. I've said that on this podcast before. <laughs> fun is underrated. We should we should uh, give more gold stars out for things that are just a fun, uh, a fun successful bit of entertainment. It's it's okay. It's okay. It is meant to be entertainment. Uh, anyway, that's my that's my rant about. It. I liked it. I liked it, and I was worried because this this talk about the two standalones both having these horrible kind of like production problems. Um. This one, and and it may be, as somebody said earlier, it may be the professionalism of Ron Howard being able to just take it over and also completely reshoot like big chunks of it. But this movie did not feel broken and repaired. And Rogue One kind of feels broken and repaired. This one, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is it's a strangely confident movie for something that apparently was broken and put back together. So good for them. And it keeps Clint Howard's career and alive. Clint so. Howard. <laughs> yeah. I cheered. Gotta have Clint Howard. He's uh, he's making droids fight each other, I guess. <laughs> yes, whereas the audience uh, that I'm with gasps when Darth Maul appears on the screen. I'm all, Clint Howard! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, almost, I almost let out, uh, out loud a squeal. The of Apollo 13, Clint Howard! Yeah. Clint Howard, he's been in Star Trek and Star Wars now. Yay! I think I, I think I actually just literally outside uh, uh, loud said, "There he is!" Like I knew, I knew he was going to be there eventually. Like he's, there he like is. he's going to be Cool Cat. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Cool Cat, Darth Maul is at the end of this movie. I don't know why those two things are connected. Um, we 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 didn't talk Darth about. Maul likes to boogie. We did. He Darth Maul likes to rock and roll. Um, uh, he's got some. He's a friend of all the kids. Yeah. So, so the the uh, also has a very strong anti-gun message, Darth. Maul. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's confusing if you don't know about the about the animated stuff and there but i i firmly believe that that most people will just leave the theater going oh i guess this happens before phantom menace even though that doesn't really line up and no the answer is that in various animated series we've discovered that although he did get cut in half by uh, by Obi Wan. Unless you get cremated, it's not it's not a death. Yeah, until he, they, he fell until down a they pit hold too. the mirror up to your face. Yeah, he fell they, down a pit. He was alive. he was cauterized from the waist down by the lightsaber. Guys, you got to understand, he was real angry, and he was very <laughs> angry. <laughs> angry can keep you alive. I. One of the interesting things I think the choices they made was the voiceover was done by Sam Witwer, who's the actor who does his voice in, in the, the animated, animated things, right. rather than Peter, Peter Serafinowicz, who yeah. did him in yeah did him in in episode one. Uh, where where he had almost no lines. <laughs> Poor Ray Park never gets to use his voice. But it was Ray Park, though. Yep. I know enough of you who are uh, Star Wars animated series nerds that I knew that he had been revived in those. And so there's a moment where, like, they make the point of you seeing that he's got the kind of um, cyborg legs um, that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, OK, yeah. All right, then that is a direct reference. I got it now. But most people will not get that. It's the second time in a month that a uh, mysterious previous character from a canon with a red face has showed up unexpectedly. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> in both cases, both cases, I was 100 percent surprised. So I'm, I'm excited that 
that I was able to like I had I had no idea Darth Maul was in any way oh, associated yeah. with no. this movie. Phantom Menace. Me neither. Phantom Menace. I also kind of everywhere. don't care, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a good moment of what because you yep. like they kept alluding to there's someone else that they work for right well, like, and, they got and I was like who's that going to be? It so, makes some sense. Fascinating based on all news reports that they, that this is a standalone movie with no sequels planned at least mm-hmm. that they make this thing where it's it's very much like what will Kira and Darth Maul new, do next? Right, Stay like tuned for the Force. Something? I, yeah. No, he's not. He's not into the Force anymore. No, he's John. just a mobster now. He's just a uh, mobster with a mobster he, with a lightsaber. He does not feel great about about the only Sith two there are. John, work out for him. I mean, yeah. he gets back into the Force stuff a little bit, a little bit. But like, he's basically said, like, no, the, the Sith like sold me out. I'm he's still I'm got be a, a lightsaber mobster now. Yeah, he's still got the lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. doesn't make a mention that he's going to like teach her Nerd. something. What is he going to teach her? He, mobster stuff. Mobster stuff. Did he say he's going to teach her? He just said that they're going to work closely together, yeah, right? He's right. found yeah. he's a more powerful crime. force that ties the universe together. It's called money. It's called money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Cold hard cash. That's Can't why they wait. call it money. This has been an excellent discussion of Solo, a Star Wars story, and I would like to thank my panelists for rushing out to the movie theater and seeing it, or in Phil's case, going to a press junket at ILM. And <laughs> reporting back, uh, Kelly Gamont, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Erica Ensign, thank you. I am going to go take a nap in the lap of a Wookiee. Aww. <laughs> Tony Sindelar, thank you. Goodbye, nerds. Dan Morin. <laughs> well, that's offensive. That so Philip Michaels, Sorry. thank you. You know, Jason, I think podcasts like this could start a rebellion. Oh. <laughs> and John Syracuse, I'm glad you were here because I didn't want to do this podcast. Solo. That doesn't make any sense. Oh. I'm ready for a smooth Colt 45. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this edition of The Incomparable. We'll be back next week with something. I don't even know what. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.